Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Taking Care of Business podcast. This is Dan Trottencheck, your host. And uh, you, you have heard us talk uh, in, in recent uh, podcasts about the dynamic nature of what's going on uh, in the home improvement market space and, and certainly in the economy overall. So we thought it would be a, a uh, prudent guest to bring on early this year is, is a friend of the program, Gary Pittsford. And today we're going to be talking about all of the changes that we've seen in the economy and how that's impacting small businesses, how that's impacting things like retirement plans, uh, business valuation, and all those things that are important to small business owners. So hang with us for a few seconds while we get this quick word from our sponsor, and we will be right back with a talk with Gary Pittsford. When you grow a garden with Schultz products, you reap a bountiful crop of benefits for your customer and your business. The signature dropper applicator allows you to feed every time you water. Just seven drops per quart of water delivers vital micronutrients every time you feed. Schultz liquid plant food is available through hardware co-ops and lawn and garden distributors nationwide. For more information, go to knoxfert.com slash Schultz. That's K-N-O-X-F-E-R-T dot com slash S-C-H-U-L-T-Z. Did you know that NHPA has a marketplace for buying and selling independent home improvement stores and posting jobs? The NHPA Retail Marketplace is the best option for whatever step you may be taking with your business. If you're looking to fill key positions in your operation, expanding your business to more locations, or looking for an exit strategy, the Marketplace can help you reach the industry's 40,000 retailers who are highly motivated and well-versed in home improvement retailing. And now through March 31st, you can save 25% on any listing option. Learn more or get your listing today at yournhpa.org slash marketplace. That's yournhpa.org slash marketplace. Hey, Gary, welcome to the program and, and uh, happy new year. Although it's, it's we're, we're well into the year now, but still a happy new year to you. Oh, it's the year's just getting started, Dan, but it's good to be with you again. It's always yeah. fun. Well, thank you for being being back again and, and so many things going on and so many changes. And before we get too far into our discussion, I wanted to address some changes that you guys have been through. Um, everybody probably knows you as Gary Pittsford from Castle Wealth Advisors, but but it's no longer Castle Wealth Advisors. It's now Castle Valuation. So that's one of the changes you've been through. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what's different with Gary and, and, and what's what's behind the change in name? Well, I'm glad you asked, Dan. It, it will update everybody. Uh, in 2020, uh, I, I did a lot of looking around, trying to figure out how to take care of clients. And I needed to get bigger quicker because we had so many clients that needed so much help. Then I decided instead of hiring 10 or 15 people, I decided to merge my company with another company in Kansas City. And okay. it's called Creative Planning. And uh, they're bigger. And they've got more people than what I had, but now we've got more resources to help every single business owner. So uh, the division that we call it is called Castle Valuation, which actually helps business owners with all the valuations like we've always done for many, many years. But we also help with the blueprint, the planning, you know, uh, dealing with taxes, working with the attorneys and the accountants, working with retirement, taking care of 
spouses and children and grandchildren and and, and all the financial side. You know, I, okay. I can't help you with building an in cap, but I can help you with all <laughs> the financial questions. Well, there are plenty of financial questions, and I and, and I'm glad to hear that for you guys, Gary, because I know that uh, you know we run in a lot of the same circles and are in a lot of the same uh, uh, markets and sort of thing. And I know you guys are every time you're you're at an event like that, you are always busy because you guys the the, the services you provide to the industry are so valuable and perhaps never more valuable than what we are seeing now. Um, to to kind of set the stage for what I wanted to talk to you about, um, you know, I, I've mentioned on last uh, the, uh, on on past broadcasts about this unique situation that we're in um, is that we've gone through two very difficult years um, in, for the home improvement industry. And, and what I mean is not difficult, certainly in, in the nature of, of generating sales, because that's been one of the huge upsides that we've seen in the last two years, but very difficult. It's been, uh, you know, I had one retailer say to me, you know, we've made more money than we ever had, but it's been harder than it's ever been. And, and so those two mm-hmm. factors there are combining to create a lot of things. And one of them is a lot of retailers who have made good money, profited well in the last couple of years, looking at perhaps now is the time for me to think about stepping away from the business because it's been kind of a hard slog. And, and that's an area where you really provide assistance. You and the folks at Castle Valuation provide a lot of assistance preparing owners for that transition out of the business um, in two ways, in looking at how can I p- potentially sell my business, but 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 also what is my business worth? And, and am I financially in a position to retire? So why don't we tackle a couple of those things right now? What 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 in your uh, kind of expert opinion has been, uh, you know, kind of the impact on all of this business and uh, th- that has kind of flooded the home improvement market in terms of how is it affecting something like business valuation? I mean, is it is it a, a fact that a hardware business today is worth a heck of a lot more than it was two years ago? How, how does that work out in what you guys are seeing? Well, yes, the values are up. I wouldn't say a hundred percent, but they are up. You know, when we look at the last three years or the last five years of cash flow, the companies the last couple of years have higher cash flow, which mm-hmm. is kind of artificial in a way because we all know that the government has pumped trillions of dollars into the market and that money's got to go someplace. Right. And a lot of it went to the hardware industry, which I'm happy to say. But the values are up. And we do include the last couple years of higher profits, but but not a hundred percent of it. You know, okay. uh, so the values are up, the selling prices are up. You know, plus the owners have saved a lot of cash the last couple years, so their retirement nest egg is getting bigger. You know, some of them own real estate, the building where the store is located. Some don't. You know, it's kind of like fifty percent or so own the real estate; the others don't. Uh, so the owners are feeling better. You know, everybody's coming up to me at all the conventions that we go to. They're talking about, gosh, I've got so much cash in the checking account. I'm doing so much better. You know, the sales are up, you know, they're up 20, 30%, you know, or more. And they haven't hired a lot of new people. So the payroll's not higher. So a lot of those sales, if they're making 40, 41% gross margins, a lot of that profit is dropping to the bottom line. So they've got more cash. So they have more cash right now. They're feeling better. They're 
they're feeling good about the, the industry, they're feeling good about their store, they're getting a higher price, and a lot of them have a real positive attitude about selling now. Now's the time because the company's doing well, I've got some cash, and either the children are going to take over or maybe a key employee or maybe they're going to sell to somebody else in the industry. And there's a lot of buyers out there. You know, the sellers feel good and the buyers feel good. It's amazing, you know, somebody that's got one, two or three stores, they want to buy one or two more. You know, and so there's a lot of buyers and a lot of sellers. And we didn't have that five or 10 years ago. So everything is upbeat. Everything is good right now. Yeah, I know that's absolutely what we're seeing. You know, I've said I've used the terms here recently. It's an acquisition rich market out there. And, and you know, one of the things that feeds into that is is that, um, as you just said, there's a lot of owners looking to get out of business. There's a lot of owners looking to at a different stage in their careers who are looking to expand their operations. And right now, acquisition makes a lot more sense than just a kind of ground up expansion but for all the reasons about having to get fixtures, having to get product, having to find people that can build those <laughs> new facilities. So it is definitely a time when a lot of this is taking place. And it's also a time where, um, you know, where, where eras of, of rapid change like this are eras where, where tall tail are built and and there is so much acquisition activity going on in home improvement lumber and building materials and you start hearing these kind of stories about you know oh well this acquisition was was for x amount of dollars and this acquisition for x amount of dollars and we're starting to hear some kind of some kind of you know what i would call almost ridiculous kind of valuations put on business and and there has always been kind of a standard of of whatever however you would value a business, whether it's X times EBITDA or X times annual uh, sales, how, whatever format would you would learn, use. Has that, have those fundamental uh, basic ways of, of putting a value on a business, has the last two years changed that, Gary, or is it still, is it still, no, there's a pretty solid way of, of valuing a business and, and it kind of, and it kind of smooths out those highs and lows a little bit. Well, to answer your question about highs and lows, uh, we do kind of smooth them out. Uh-huh. You know, I can't do a valuation for a company based on the just the last two years. Right. You know, we got to look at, you know, four years or five years. You know, you, you got to look at an average. You can't just do the last two years. It, it's not fair to the buyer if a buyer and the buyers wouldn't agree to that. They want to see three, four, five years, not just two years. Right. But the, but if we include the last two years, which we obviously do, we can't count a hundred percent. You know, so yeah. you know if profits are up a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand dollars, we can count some of it, but not all of it. Okay, so yeah. values are up, the multiples are edging up a little bit. You know, so okay, if I went back ten years, you know, if I said three and a half times EBITDA, if you know, or cash flow, sometimes I'll use that term. Okay. Three and a half to four and a half times would catch just about everybody, you know. And in the last two or three years, it's more like, you know, four, four and a half, five, maybe. It depends on how good your business is. Every uh-huh. business is different. I can't say add up all your EBITDA and take it times 4.3. I can't do that because every business is different. Right. In this hardware industry, we've got retail hardware plus 
nursery. We've got retail hardware plus lumber. We've got retail hardware plus rental. So there's, you know, there's a lot that goes into these numbers. And not everybody is just pure retail hardware. Uh, so every company's different. Every location is different. You know, a hardware store in, in Wyoming is different than a hardware store in Massachusetts. You know, so uh, it, they're all different. We have to look at them different. You know, uh, we do probably about five, 450 to 500 valuations each year right now. Yeah. Okay. And about a hundred of those are for the hardware industry. We probably do, I'm, I'm guessing more uh, retail hardware store valuations than anybody else. Uh, uh, and we know what's happening in the hardware industry from coast to coast. I mean, I work with people from Maine to San Diego, you know, so we're yeah. everywhere. Uh, but yeah, values are up. Uh, more sellers are ready to sell. They've had two great years and it's been two hard years trying yeah, to get that yeah. supply chain filled up, trying to get those shelves filled up is not easy. So they, they've had two tough years, but the buyers are also out there. There's a lot of buyers out there. I even have buyers calling me from time to time saying, hey, do you know of anything in New Mexico? You know, I'm looking around, you know, so uh, there's a lot going on. And, and, but valuations are up. EBITDA is up, you know, profitability is up. Uh, so everything looks good for the hardware industry, even though everybody's working very hard trying to keep their right. shelves full. Yeah. And, and I would imagine things aren't fundamentally different for lumber. They're not fundamentally different for the paint uh, uh, retailer as well. I mean, all of those industries, you know, kind of across the spectrum of home improvement have seen kind of the same sort of business conditions over the last two years where, I mean, whether you're running a paint store or a hardware store, the sales are up and, and profitability mm -hmm. is up and all those sorts of things. So would you say that, that, that it's kind of, you're seeing similar regardless if it's a hardware based business or more of a lumber based business or paint, uh, uh sort of business, the same kind of conditions? Yes, everything yeah, okay. is positive. All the conditions yeah. are good. You know, getting getting lumber in, getting getting the supply chain filled up has always been a problem the last year or so, especially the last eight, nine months. Uh, and it's going to drag on. We're going to have problems with the supply chain for probably another year, uh, yeah. maybe more. I don't know, but it's going to be a while. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it, it, everything is up no matter what it is. Well, I know one of the challenges that business owners in our industry have faced over the last year and a half to two years is, is simply kind of trying to keep product on the shelves, keep keep staffing levels up. Um, they've really probably, you know, I've heard I've heard owners who have been, uh, you know, successfully removed themselves from that operational side of the business years ago, who have said in the last couple of years, I've had to get back knee deep into operations just because of what's going on. And I know that for those listeners who have heard you and I talk before, deciding to sell your business isn't just like a, a switch that you flip and say, oh, you know what? I mean, some people do, of course, for, for, for reasons, but, but you've always talked about there are certain things an owner should do to kind of prepare for the sale of their business. And, and, and I know, like I was saying, is these owners who have been so mired down in operations and now have decided that might be one of the reasons they've decided they want to sell now. What do they need to do? What can they do at, as soon as they listen to this program, what are some of the things they can do, Gary, to kind of start getting their business in shape to sell it? 
Um, and if they come to you uh, and say, Gary, I'm ready to sell my business, what are the things you're going to say? Okay, well, let's do this, but I need you to do this, this, and this before we can really start kind of getting our arms around what direction we're going to head. Yeah. Yeah. Well, very quickly, we start out with the financials and, and we do a lot of this, Dan. Uh, we've been doing more and more talking with business owners, kind of like coaching. You need to do this. And then when you get it done, call me back. And then you need to yeah. do this. And when you get it done, call me back. You know, they need to work on their financials. Most business owners have spent the last 30 years ignoring their balance sheet and their profit and loss statement. Now, when you deal with a buyer, especially outside the family, if you're dealing with uh, an unrelated buyer, they want to see a good looking profit and loss statement. They want to see two or three, the last two or three years. They want to see the last two or three balance sheets, you know, and for example, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to dig into this too much. I don't want to waste your time, but, you know, balance sheets, you know, if I look at somebody's balance sheet and it says 500,000 of inventory, well, when I find, when we talk about it, it's really 800,000. Okay. Well, I got to fix the balance sheet. I got to fix the accounts receivable. Okay. It says note from stockholder or note to stockholder, you know, so I got to look at those financial statements and we need to figure out how to clean them up, make them look accurate, make them look good. And it, I don't want you to change anything, but I want you to have answers for every question. You know, what is your real inventory? What is your real accounts receivable? What is this? What is that? Okay. So the financials is part of it. Okay. Then we need to figure out if we're going to sell it inside the family or outside the family. You know, and, and if you can, if you're not going to sell for a year or two, can you push up your gross margins? You know, a lot of people let their gross margins slip down. As Dan, as you know, the national average for gross margins for retail hardware is about 40 to 41%. Mm -hmm. I see a lot of people at 37, 38%. Okay. I said, if there's any way possible in the next 12 months, push up that gross margin to maybe 1% or another 1.5%, get it up to a higher number because all of that extra cash flow, that extra 1% or 2% drops to the bottom line, you know, and if you have a store that is breaking even or not making much, you know, then we have to use normally the net asset approach and we need to know what right. are the real assets. If we've got a store that we're looking at that's got a great, you know, 44, 45% gross margin, you know, they're making eight to 10% on the bottom line. And a lot of people nowadays, the last couple of years, they're making six to eight to 10% just because of the higher volume, you know? So, if you have excellent volume and excellent profit, then your best valuation is probably going to be a multiple times EBITDA, which is the cash flow. Okay. So work on your financials, work on your gross margins, reduce if you can save anything on expenses, try to cut your expenses one or 2%, kind of clean up the financial side, work with your employees. Okay. If you've got great employees, it makes your company more valuable. Okay. Uh, what kind of company do you have? Is it an S corp or a C corp? You know, so we need to go through all of that. And we spend a lot of time talking with business owners and talking about those ideas. And then sometimes we'll talk to their accountants and their attorneys, you know, and nowadays with, with our merged two companies with Castle and Creative Planning, we have a lot of attorneys and a lot of accountants that can help people if they don't have good help, you know, so Right. Now we can do a lot more for people, but that financial side and your employees, 
is something that you need to work with and get ready for the sale. Yeah. That's a good and, starting point. You know, we, we, we've said this before, but a lot of times, you, you know, it's, it's just a, a kind of the nature of the beast is that we find that retailers, and I kind of make this joke when I, dark humor, I guess, when, when I'm giving presentation about retail financials, about, you know, a, a lot of times a retailer will get, small business owner will get their uh, income statement balance sheet back right around this time every year. And they look at one or two numbers on it. They look at... Uh, they look at uh, top line revenue and then they look at net operating profit. Then they shake their head yes and they stick it in a file cabinet and they don't look at anything else for the for the rest of the year. And, and, and you know, that might be an oversimplification, but quite honestly, we find that is very true in a lot of cases. And so this 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 what, what you're saying is is you got to start looking at those numbers in between because those numbers in between are what c- could make, I would imagine, Gary, a pretty significant difference in the value of your business. Um, and well, let me give you an example. You know, if you this is kind of a simple example, but if you add and I've had people ask me the last month or so, if I add 100,000 to inventory, does that increase my company by 100,000? Right. Maybe not quite. But yeah. I'll tell you what, if you add 100,000 to inventory, you might increase the company 80,000. Right. But if you add 100,000 to cash flow, you probably increase the company by three to 400,000. Right. So do you want 100,000 of inventory or you want 100,000 of cash flow? So get that gross margin up, get your expenses down, get that extra EBITDA, and then mm-hmm. you're really improving the value of the company. Yeah. And I'll tell you just a quick uh, plug for NHPA products, our cost of doing business study that we've done every year for 100 years now uh, is a great basis for a retailer to, to find out how the industry's top performers in their category are performing because we aggregate the income statements and balance sheets from over thousands of, of uh, real life hardware stores, home centers, lumberyards, and paint stores. Uh, so it's a great kind of starting point for anybody that's looking at attacking those kind of financials to see you know what the averages are and what the high performance uh, uh, retailers are doing. So quick plug for that. Um, well, and, Gary, and I'm glad you said that because I tell people to go get that report and Good. to memorize it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've had people tell me, well, I, 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 they're not making any money. And then when I see their financial statement, their payrolls at 25%, well, there's where your profit is. It's right there. Right. Your right. payroll should be 18, 19%, not 25. You know, so yeah. people need to see those numbers. Yeah. And I think it's important too, because even if you've got, um, and this is kind of a plug back to you guys, Gary, because all businesses are different. I, I would imagine if you're looking at a, a CPA firm or, or, or a firm like yours, the percentage of payroll from revenue is going to be a different. It's different from what it would be at a hardware store. Mm-hmm. So that's why someone like you guys that have experience understanding, you know, if, if you just go to a regular you know, accountant or something, they might be comparing your business against others that that, that really don't fit that same model. But you mm-hmm. guys, like you said, you're doing valuations on hundreds of, of hardware home improvement based businesses. So you guys have that kind of understanding of of where payroll should be for that type of company, not just right. some generic number that, that, that you're trying to trying to fit for any small business. Yeah. A hardware store, you're looking at 18 to 20%, 18, 19% mm-hmm. payroll. If it's a lumber yard, 
we're probably more like 12 to 14 percent. Okay. Right. You know, everything's different and you got to you got to know the industry to do a good job. And that's why we've always tried to concentrate on five or six different industries. And we know everything about those industries. And and when we're talking to people in those industries, they know that we specialize in what they're doing, you know. And, yeah. And the owners, you know, once they get their financials figured out, then we can do a real valuation. Then we can figure out what the taxes are. Then we can figure out how much cash they got left after the sale. Then we can figure out, can I afford to retire? You know, so. Well, it, I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I kind of wanted to transition a little bit here, Gary, into this concept of, of retirement, because there's a lot of factors, some of which you just outlined, that go into anyone's ability to retire. And, uh, you know, retailers are no different from the rest of us. They've probably reaped some of the benefits from the, the, the stock market has seen over the last two to three years and kind of continues to see to this day. Um, so what are some of the changes? And, and, and right now, what are some of the changes that you've seen kind of in, in individuals looking at kind of their overall retirement picture? But also right now, you know, there seems to be a lot of um, uh, reticence about where we're going to go um, in terms of, you know, the Fed's talking about looking at interest rate hikes and so on. We're seeing a lot of uh, potential inflation uh, coming down, the continuing to come down the pipe. <laughs> And it's starting to give people some of those uneasy feelings about the stock market in general. What, what I, I'd like to kind of get your sense on that retirement portion of this picture of of is is now a better time to retire than a year from now, or is there some sort of urgency to taking advantage of market conditions now? Um, what, what just maybe kind of give us your view of what you're seeing on that retirement side. Um. Uh, that's an excellent lead in. Uh, let me, there's nothing wrong with retiring now, but figure out how much cash you're going to have after you pay capital gains tax if you sell your business. Okay. And if you're selling it within the family, maybe you're going to take a promissory note over 10 or 12 years. Okay. So we got to look at that cash flow stream. But if you were to retire now, and what we're dealing with business owners and clients, we have to be real careful. You know, with business owners, we always tend to be more careful and more conservative with assets. Uh, interest rates are going to come up the next couple of years. Those business owners that are as old as I am, they were around in 1980 and 81 when uh, my wife and I got our first mortgage and we paid 18% on our mortgage for our house. I remember yeah. 1980 very well. But interest rates, I'm not saying they're going to get that high. I'm just saying rates are going to come up which will affect the market, but you've got to invest for long-term. And there's a lot of good big companies, we call them blue chips, that always pay good dividends. You know, you need assets that pay dividends, okay? You need that income. Capital gains was nice, but we need that interest and dividend income. So anytime that we put together, and now we manage something over, a uh, hundred billion dollars of assets for clients all over the United States. We we're looking for the assets that produce income. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I'm not interested in doubling my money the next twelve months. I'm interested in a good solid income, and that's what retirees want, and that's what can be put together. You know, now interest rates are going to affect bonds and the stock market. Okay, interest rates are going to bring the market down, you know, but 
if if you take a real good stock, you know, pick a pick a company that's been around for a hundred years. If the value comes down, we can buy it at a lower price, but it's still paying dividends whether mm-hmm. this value is up or down. So we have to put a lot of thought into an allocation of assets that produce retirement income that's very stable for a client. You know, and then in addition to that, when you're when we're helping somebody plan for retirement, are you going to lease the real estate or are you going to sell the real estate? Okay. Are you going to get a non-compete contract for the next several years? Are you going to be a consultant? Are you going to be chairman of the board? And maybe your son or daughter is going to be the president. Okay. So there's other types of income that we can build into these sales. You know, is it an S corp, an LLC, or is it a C corp? Because we can design different levels of income depending upon what kind of company you've got. So designing the sale and designing the income is it all goes together. Okay, but but yeah, I, I would say 2022 is going to be a tough year for the market. But you have to pick assets that will do well uh, in a tough market, which is what we're going to have. And I, I think that, you know, we've talked about this before is, is there's probably a, 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 a not necessarily, I mean, you're probably dealing mostly with retailers that are within five or so years of wanting to sell their business or, or retire, but there's not necessarily a time that's too early for a retailer to start thinking about succession, start building some sort of formalized succession plan. And I know one of the things that you've, you've brought up before that, that, that is so unfortunate, and it's kind of, uh, you know, one of the truly tragic sides of what we've seen in the last years is that the unexpected can happen to a business or a family at, at any point in time. And certainly we've seen our share of, 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 of that, of that, uh, of that happening in the last two years. So, so Gary, I, I, again, I, I, I know that we stress this, but I, I'd imagine you would stress it too. It's never too, there, it's never too early to start thinking about a succession plan, uh, uh, particularly given that, that nobody knows what could happen today, tomorrow, and so on. And without a plan in place, you and I have both seen our share of, of, of the, the unfortunate side of that. Without a plan in place, a, a good, well-run business can, can, can really uh, go the opposite direction. So w- what are your thoughts on that? Well, that's an interesting side note, that you, but it's something that's very important. And part of this plan, a business plan, a retirement mm-hmm. plan, uh, to how do I protect my net worth plan? Uh, when you're dealing with clients, you, you, we're dealing, let's say we have an owner that owns 100% of the company, okay? As we work with that client on all of his financial affairs, I want to read his wills and trusts. I want to find out. Let's say we have two brothers working together and they own the company 50-50. Okay, I want to see the buy-sell agreement. A lot of them don't have a buy-sell agreement. And a lot of them have a buy-sell agreement that was done 20 years ago, and they haven't looked at it since. Okay, I need to see those documents. If something happens to the owner, you know, if if he's in a car wreck, or if he has a heart attack, or Alzheimer's sets uh-huh. in, whatever it might be, who's going to vote your stock tomorrow if you have a car wreck? Okay, right. I need. We normally want owners to have uh, revocable living trusts and put their stock into that trust. And then if the owner has a car wreck or something happens, 
the successor trustee can take over tomorrow morning. Okay. Mm-hmm. I want owners to write on a piece of paper. If I don't make it to work tomorrow, I want this person to be able to hire and fire people. I want this person to be able to buy inventory. I want this person to handle advertising. Okay. Uh, you've got to have people standing by that can open and close the store if you can't be there. Mm-hmm. You need to be thinking, and a lot of owners don't think about it because we're all going to be here forever, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> if we don't make it in tomorrow, okay, put together a plan. Tell me what you want to have happen, okay? I want I want my brother to buy me out. Or if I own right. 80% of the company and my son or daughter owns 20%, and if I die, what happens to the 80%? Okay. Also, if my son dies in a car wreck, what happens to the 20%? Okay. Uh-huh. These things people don't think about. You know, I uh, many years ago in New Jersey, we did a plan for a gentleman that was 80 years old, and we transitioned the company to his 55-year-old son. And about a year later, I got a phone call from the lawyer, and the lawyer told me that the son died uh, accidentally a heart attack and and all the stock is now in the son's name so it, it, it wasn't a huge company but we had to buy it back now the 81 year old got the stock back and then we had to transition it to his 50 year old other son so you never know you think about well the 80s 80 year old is going to die first but that doesn't always happen sometimes it's the 50 year old and we've got to be prepared you know, to take care of the 50-year-old's wife and children and grandchildren. We've got to think about all the different family members if something goes wrong. And a lot of business owners don't think about that. But we stress it because I don't know what's going to happen to all the business owners, but sooner or later, something's going to happen. Yeah. When you were talking through that, it reminded me of a story that I had heard relatively early on in my career. Truly, you know, it was one of those sad stories about where where something unexpected happened to the owner, and it was a small business. Um, and in talking to them several years after this, they said that quite literally, we did not know where to find the keys to unlock the store to open it because yeah. this individual, the owner had the keys and he, every day he would open it. And, uh, and they, they literally had to figure out how to physically open the store because they hadn't even prepared for that contingency. But, but Gary, I don't want to, I don't want to end on a, on such a kind of a, a down note here. Um, but, but the truth is all of the things that we've talked about are very valid reasons for someone to pick up the phone and reach out to Castle valuation and start thinking about what the next steps are for their business. So um, why don't you tell everybody, if someone wants to reach you guys, where would they go, Gary? What's what like, what's your website? Uh, they would go to uh, just contact my email would be gary.pittsford at creativeplanning.com or uh, they can go to creativeplanning.com okay. uh, or they can dial. We're in Indianapolis. East Coast time, um, and our number, our office switchboard number is uh, 317-849-9559. All right. uh, they can call us. They can email us. Uh, we, we'll probably see a lot of them at all the different conventions sure. that you and I both go to. Yep, yep. Um, you know, so we're glad to help anybody and everybody. Uh, 
because I, I really enjoy working with business owners. I re, Since I am a business owner, I relate to business owners. Uh-huh. My family are all farmers. We've been independent business owners all our lives. Uh, so I, I understand what business owners are thinking about, and it's I'm glad to help. Well, one thing that I want to point out to all of our listeners, too, and, and Gary, I had asked him right before we got on here how long he's been in the business, and it's been 45 years that you've been in this business. And one thing since I, I've known you, Gary, is that at all the shows I see at and, and all the conversations, Gary and his whole team are always willing to at, answer questions. Uh, you, you know, it's it's they're always if you if you wander up and say, hey, I have a question. G- Gary is so generous with his time and so willing uh, appearing on programs like this. but. But at the markets and so on, as time permits, of course, always, always willing to, to just help out where he can. And, and we in the industry certainly appreciate that. So so it, it's I'm glad. And, and we the last many years, we have created a system where if somebody dials in and, and uh, picks an appointment time, we, we want to spend 45 minutes with lots of different people. And for 45 minutes, we can talk about specific ideas that fit their company and their family. So we want to spend time with everybody uh, when we're at these conventions to try and help as much as we can. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, like I said, you've always been a friend of the association and, and, and uh, will uh, very generous with your time here. So, so once again, Gary, we appreciate you being on the program. And, and one last thing I want to say that's, that's, that's related to our conversation and as a second plug today for an NHPA product is, is toward the end of last year, NHPA launched its uh, online retail marketplace. And, and we kind of soft launched it toward the end of last year and we've made Made some changes to it. And what this is, is an online marketplace where if you're looking to sell your store, you could list your store for sale. Or if you're looking to buy stores, you could list yourself as a potential buyer. Um, and, and for those that are in the business of selling, we have dozens of potential buyers who are signed up, who want, who monitor this website and get alerts when, when a store is listed. So, so if you're looking at selling, if you're looking at buying, and also we added the functionality uh, in another area, which is if you're looking for uh, potential employees, there's also a human resources uh, marketplace that's now a part of that. And that just launched like a couple weeks ago. So I'd encourage you to take a look at that or reach out to us at NHPA. That's at uh, yournhpa.org, our website. You can go ahead and take a look at all that stuff. Um, Because right now, as we talked about earlier, buying and selling and getting people to work at your business are some of the biggest concerns that we hear from these small business owners out there running retail operations. So, so I encourage you to take a look at that. I encourage you to make contact with the folks at, uh, uh, at Castle Valuations and talk to Gary when you see him at one of these upcoming markets, because it's really important that you arm yourself with all the information you can have when you go into this next phase of, of business continuity and making sure that the business that you and your family have built lives on uh, and provides for your family and your community for years to come. So Gary, Thank mm-hmm. you so much for being on the program. I'm sure we'll have you back at some point this year. And and once again, happy new year to you and look forward to seeing you at some of these shows. Thank you, Dan. It's good to be with you and good luck to all the people that are listening. I look forward to seeing you at some convention or some market someplace. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.